Spring racing is kicking off at Santa Anita on Saturday, April 30th. They're going to be racing Friday through Sunday. Lots of cool stuff going on at Santa Anita. Free trip notes from our friends at TripNote Pros, santanita.com. Free analysis and selections from the likes of Jeff Siegel, Michelle Yu, and Frank Scatoni. They've also got a cool Showviver contest going on. You can read more about that on their site. Lots of good opportunities as far as contests go, including this Derby contest this Saturday. Really, really interesting in that it's all Churchill races. So if you're playing Churchill Downs, you can play in Santa Anita's contest. You can learn more about that on their website under the contest tab. Also, the Golden Hour Double. You know how we love that bet, as well as the Golden Hour pick for some of the most player-friendly wagers in the nation. You'll be hearing more about that bet on this show. Check it out. SantaAnita.com. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Podcast. We are getting down to it on this Derby Week. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from Mill Ridge Farm. What a gorgeous place. And I have to say, the hairs raise on the arms a little bit as I'm chatting with you all and looking out on these fields where, gosh, at least two Kentucky Derby uh, winners were raised. I know uh, Point Given grew up here. Um, the, the status as a nursery of this place of uh, top level thoroughbred racehorses. It's, it's a known thing, but it's Derby week. We are here to chat about the Kentucky Derby and we're doing a little bit of a different concept here. This is um, available to the public, but it's also a special thing that we did for our in the money plus subscribers where subscribers submitted questions that I will be tackling over the course of the next 30 minutes or so along with my co-host. Now, in the last few times we've done this Q&A concept, we've had Matt Bernier, but uh, he's getting ready, as we like to say, as horse racing degenerates, to have one on the ground. So he's, uh, he's not with us today, but we found a replacement that I think folks are going to find acceptable. He, like me, is in the bluegrass, not quite as nice of a location as this one. He's from the planet Texas, originally accomplished contest player, renowned pundit from Fox Sports. It's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? PTF, hot. Did you did you see that? It's, I did. I What's going on? Couldn't... Your fan club is descended upon. Are you signing autographs while we're on the air now? No, I don't know how you couldn't tell I was in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, everything's good. It's it's. Uh, I, I am in the bluegrass, but it is Cinco de Mayo, so I went tequila for now. Smart. Smart. You know, we like, had yeah. – we're doing a fun event out here, and I actually I missed a trick. I didn't get the moonshine. We had some moonshine circulating. I went with the, the Kentucky-made bourbon and Kentucky-made rye. Uh, that's been the libation of choice. Looking forward to uh, rendezvousing with you later at our uh, Jeff Ruby Steakhouse, hoping that uh, our girl Jenny will be waiting on us tonight. Always fun getting over there and seeing what's going on. A Derby Week tradition for us with the black type thoroughbreds team and all of that. We're going to get into these questions in just a minute, but I do want to take this opportunity to put in one last plug because we have so much cool stuff happening at in the money. Plus, obviously there's a ton of free content. There's so much free content. You, you know, I'm not going to blame anybody if that's the way you want to go, but if you want even more in the money slash plus, if you're watching on YouTube, you see it there on the screen. We've got the picks grid for Oaks and Derby day. JK and I 
will be part of that. Nick Tamaro, lots of other uh, terrific folks as well. JK going to be doing his usual in the money plus spiel, doing that pick five analysis for Kentucky Derby Day. I'm going to try to twist his arm to get him to do a free one for Oaks Day too. We'll see when his fans stop harassing him over there and wherever he is. We'll see if he's going to do that. We've got these wagering strategies that our editor, uh, Tyler Wisman, is going to help us out with for $250, $500,000 budgets. Drew Coatney's getting involved with pick three strategies. Frank Scatoni, we're bringing him in as well, doing the pick four matrix on Derby Day. Exclusive podcast that Nick Tamara will be hosting. Not sure who he ended up landing on with those, but... I think you're going to be very happy given the short list of guests. Um, and then there's, you know, he's doing two with the, the, the deep dive into the super and also the pick six exclusive. This is good stuff, folks. I don't know what to tell you. You got to get involved in the moneypodcast.com slash plus. And now let's see if JK's fans have left him alone long enough to uh, come back on air with us here. You're with us, JK. I am. I am. I, my, the fans are gone. My, Fiance is sitting right here. But well, her you have sure. to listen to. Her, her you have <laughs> no. to. You, you know, we'll take a break. I'll filibuster for three minutes if G needs it. No, she, she was just <laughs> st stealing my water. I got water, and she literally just drank it all. Are you good doing? Are you going to do for us a your, your usual look at the pick five on Saturday, and maybe a little free look into the into the Friday pick five? You good for that? Your only shot of getting me to do the pick five tomorrow <laughs> is on the bus. After I've had a couple of champagnes, then I'll do it. All right, so that may or may not happen, but you're definitely with us for Saturday. No, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. Just we'll do it on the bus. We'll All right, it. let's we'll do, do it. Like an audio, we'll do an audio we'll be, on the bus. a very loud podcast, but it's going to be about three minutes. I think it'll be fun. Let's do it. Let's commit to doing it. So we'll send that out as well. You're only going to get that, though, if you're signed up for the free newsletter. So even if you're not a plus person, do in the money slash email, and you'll get a potentially somewhat drunken and rowdy four-minute podcast with us going over the pick five. But I think that'll be a ton of fun. Of course, you can also look back at all the great content we've got on, on YouTube already or on the feed. You know, there's tons of good stuff out there. But I do encourage folks, I think value for money-wise, the 15 for the plus is something you're going to want to take a look at. We're going to have great content through the Kentucky Derby and beyond. One of the other fun things about plus is we do have the opportunity for little special promotions, extra content, and things like this, where people ask us questions. And we'll start with those now. We've got producer AJ in the chair. And uh, we're going to start off with this one from In The Money Plus subscriber, Nick E. With all the different handicapping tools out there, how do you differentiate all of the information? It can be so overwhelming. Are there tools that you value more than others? We'll start with you, JK. You know, I kind of treat it like a... It's this thing that, that I learned when, when I when I was coaching football. Uh, I worked with a guy who liked to just throw – say we're installing a new play or a new formation or whatever. He would just throw it all at you quickly, and then you would kind of take a step back and then do it again in more detail. So that's what I like to do. I like to look at all the information, broad scope, not getting too deep, not digging too deep, just kind of glancing at everything, let it all kind of be there, and then just kind of do my normal – pattern of what I like to do it you know when I I've talked about this for 10 years now or five years now I start at the bottom I'm sorry I start in the at the pace projector who's going to be on the front end to work my way backwards time for the U.S. pace projector time for the U.S. pace projector I don't try to digest all of the stuff I just let the stuff stick that sticks if, if you if you try to take into account too much information then you're going to kind of get that paralysis deal i just like to, i just just let it be natural don't overthink it just look at what you want to look at what's important to you and just whatever sticks to you sticks to you don't don't make it don't make it so 
um, black and white. We talk all the time on the show about wagering personalities. There are definitely handicapping personalities. One thing I'll say about Jonathan, having observed him for Holy Christmas, JK, it's something insane now. I think we like hung out for the first time at the 2014 Belmont. So that's going back a minute. Um, you are uncommonly good at being able to process loads of information. And basically you described it perfectly. What sticks sticks. Like to me, that's like almost a secret sauce that you have. I don't think that many people have. I think most people have a more traditional workflow. And for me, I don't really want to be looking at any more than three or four sources of information. And for me, daily racing form, time form US, it begins there. Um, they're not even a client right now, but I'll tell you for certain types of races, I'm a big fan of the Equin Edge product, especially their proprietary uh, genetic strength rating. When horses are doing something for the first time, you know, I'll make sure to copy that. And one thing that I used to like to do that I don't do as much anymore is have a, a master set of past performances where I might write in other info. So I don't do this now, but it's just a suggestion for other people out there where, you know, maybe you take your daily racing form and you write in your time form pace projector on the top. Cause I love JK's idea of, you know, in a typical race, like a dirt sprint, you go through it from the front to back on the pace projector. You're looking at those front runners first and trying to make your own um, idea of if that projector is correct and, and how serious of a contender you think those horses are, but then maybe you write in sheet numbers or another source of speed figures in there. I do like that idea of being able to look, all at one thing at once but i'm very you know i feel very confident I, I feel like you can do very well with those extremely commercially available products especially and again we have no business relationship with them at all but drf and uh and, and timeform us and, and for me it goes from there if you were to name check obviously timeform us jk i think is something you cite on the air all the time that i know you use i, I think you still look at uh, drf from time to time is there another product you've seen in recent times that that intrigues you or or you you'd encourage folks to take a look at not really i kind of got away from the stat thing um you know i think when you're first getting started it's an important thing because it teaches you teaches you angles to be that you can be aware exist but i feel like it can i feel like the, as many times as that can lead you to a good play it can lead you away from a bad play because they're all individuals right um what i mean by that is if you you, you know you, you see some trainer who's one for 17 with blinkers on and then you see a horse that's one for 17 with blinkers on and they then they win like, you know you've tossed the horse just because of that one stat where all these other things that are pointing in the direction of you liking the horse and so I've just felt like as many times as that's put me on horses, it's equally put me off. So now I just stay away from the stat thing as a whole, and I just know what I know. And, and, and I'll look, I'll glance at the stuff that's just on the bottom of the past performances to see there's a huge standout or anything like that. But um, So I've kind of gotten away from that. Man, it's mostly just kind of time form U.S., but still pace. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of draw now. It's a lot of, it, it, you know, we've, we've – I got this word from the Matisse brothers. It's a lot of designing the race in my head of how I feel like the race is going to be run. And then ultimately it's still speed figures. Um, they still, they still trump everything for me. It's the one thing that I feel like has just been the most consistent since I've been playing horses. There's it so much never difference. seems to let you down. Even yeah. pace can let you down. Cause you have no idea what some of these riders are going to do. And racetracks can change figures that just haven't really ever let me down. And I've There's simplified indication of ability, right? 
Right. But the other thing about, and this is not to go too deep down a rabbit hole, the other thing about how I play now is I don't, I used to do what I think a lot of people are probably doing these next couple of days, which is spend 45 minutes looking at one race. I don't do that anymore. I spend five minutes looking at one race and then I spend two hours building my bet. Um, I've found that I have more there. That's where my edge is building the bet, not, not handicapping the race. Now, part of why you can do that is because you're creating proprietary information. And that's something very much worth talking about when we do this data question. Again, it gives us a chance to plug formulator because you have an opportunity to build your notes right in there. But if you're making notes after the race day, it doesn't take you an hour to do a race because your notes are in there. So you can look it over and it just those notes as much as anything else. I just help. I feel like they, they help remind me of like the visceral memory of watching the race in the first place. And I think that's how you're able to parse that information so quickly. So that's something that I would encourage folks to do as well. Look, if you've never trip handicapped before, and now it's Thursday, the day before the Kentucky Derby, this ain't the time to start, you know, rely on Benny, listen to our podcast, do something to, to try to incorporate some idea of trips, but going forward, it's something interesting. Since you mentioned stats, JK, Let's talk about a really interesting one that's been bombing around about Steve Asmussen. And I'm not even talking about the 0 for 23 stat of him in the Kentucky Derby, which I feel like is basically just randomness given how many horses are in the Derby, how hard it is to win a Derby. I think he could easily be 0 for 23 and it means absolutely nothing. It's just luck of the draw, random, random, random. There was this other number, and I think it was Ed DeRosa who sent it around first. We'll name check him and give him credit that he's something like 0 for 72 or something in his last starters in the state of Kentucky. Um, many of them are at Turfway Park, and I'm tempted to think it doesn't mean anything, but it is a big enough number that I think it's at least worth discussion in the podcast format. I'm assuming you've tipped your hand with what you said before about stats, and it's not something that's going to make you downgrade a Jackie's Warrior or an Echo Zulu, or you know, you're going to evaluate those horses on their own terms. But were you surprised to hear that number? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's surprising. Um, I, I think a couple of things. One, and, and I mean, I hate like even talking about this kind of stuff because a lot of it is just all kind of speculation. If he was a trainer, and I just to be clear, I don't think he is. If he was a trainer that I felt like was a little bit one of those possible shady types, then an 0 for 80 in a state would make me be like, ooh, he's something, you know, something. That's why he's losing. That's not Steve, though, right? Like, I don't believe that that's Steve. And so I just think that it's just – it's just luck. It's just how it goes. It's, it's like you mentioned, a lot of them are at Turfway and, 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 and their synthetic surface and um, Keeneland's tough. He was bad at Keeneland last fall. Um, if I'm not mistaken, then he, and then Echo oh. Zulu ran off the screen in the Breeders' Cup. So 100%. I, I am of the belief when it comes to, to that type of thing, situation, Steve has done enough to prove to me who he is, just like Steph Curry has proven who he is. I don't care if Steph misses 48 threes in a row, I would bet on him to hit the 49th. He's, it's almost like a roulette wheel, right? Where I don't care if it's been black 117 times in a row. It doesn't mean it's going to be red. It's an individual roll every time, and that's how I look at the stat with Steve. Sure, you toss Steve's horses because he's, oh, he's cold right now. I guarantee he wins three races in the next two days. <laughs> well, I mean, so I just – I I, I, I get – not that I could care less because it's not like it's nothing, but I'm not going to let it affect my decision. Now, now I will say this. If there's a horse I don't like and, and normally I would be scared to toss, maybe I, 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 maybe I would 
easily toss this time around with that situation, but I'm not allowing it to really make many decisions for me. Yeah, you make a good point, though. I do think for me, one effect it might have, you know, maybe I'd be stronger instead of making Jackie's warrior the even money he is in my brain. You know, that stat, if it, that didn't exist, maybe I'd make him four to five. Like it does, yeah, it does move my own internal odds line around, but like a tick, not, not the difference many, between using and tossing. How many of the 72 horses that he, how many of the 72 horses that he's lost with were Breeders' Cup favorites? and ran triple-digit buyers five times last year, right? Zero. So it's like, it doesn't, that animal's a freak. So I, I don't, it does, they're different. It's like, you're, you know what I'm saying? No, um, I got you. I, I just, so I don't, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let that one mess with me. All right, let's move on to the next question, AJ. I think we got some good meat off that bone. Big JK fan here. Well, we'll forgive you for that, Carl. Going to be sporting the first Saturday in May shirt. For the Oaks card, was building a pick five ticket, is there a single or a confident uh, two in a race to lock it up to build around on Saturday? Love this question, Carl. JK, he's your he's your acolyte, so we'll start with you. Well, I appreciate that. That's a that's a that's a fun shirt. I'm, I'm I love that shirt. Um, and uh, the the it's the white one with the with the red and with the rose that says the first Saturday in May. It's, it's a really cool one. And then I actually today. Someone sent me a picture of this navy rose shirt that we created a long time ago that that the that, that Derby actually bought from us and they're only selling it in in the gift shop. I don't I I don't even own one. I don't I don't I'm gonna have to go and buy one um, <laughs> when I get there tomorrow because I don't have one. So it's pretty cool. I I, I we used to I, just a little aside, I was talking to Robert today. Like we literally stayed my first time I ever went to the Derby, we stayed in a in an extended stay because we couldn't afford we like a $172 a week extended stay where I thought I was going to lose my life um, back in 2009. And, and now I, you walk into the gift shop and there's a shirt with a little cartoon. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. Pretty cool. Um, I think, I think you could, I think in the, Oh, I'm on Saturday. Sorry. Hold on. Um, I think you could lock up with, uh, we talked about, is this, was that race? I think you can lock up, Oh man, I I think well, you can lock you up find, with Olympia. You find while you're looking for because I want to put in I want to put in the proper plug that you didn't quite put in, which is where to get the the old smoke shirts, the ones that you can't just get uh, you know in the in the in the gift shop at, at Churchill Downs. Uh, Oldsmokeclothing.com/slash/jk I think is a little pretty link that'll take you to all the stuff you've got going on. You've got some good ones. I've got that first Saturday in May shirt, but Michelle, you stole it. And, you know, she's a tough customer and I'm, I'm worried if I try to take it back to me, I'm going to be Chris Rock to her Will Smith. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit scared about that, but did, did you she find the tough. PPs? Do you, do you know what yeah, you're talking Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good now. Yeah. So here's the thing. I, I look at a couple of situations. One in, in starting in race six, there is that two day, $2 pick six. And if you're looking for some opportunities to get skinny, you can, I think you can single, she dares the devil there. So if you wanted to kind of play that, it kind of hooks in the yokes and leads you into the derby. I think you could, you could do that if you wanted to. And then I think Olympia is a type of horse that if you're trying to find someone to single, I think you can single. I don't think he's like the lock of the century. I think that if he runs his race, he, he he's going to be very hard to beat. But they're four-legged animals, so sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, but the, I don't I don't have a lot of locks. I think those two turf races tomorrow are really tough. Um so that would be that would be my lock there. I, I think maybe Olympiad or if you wanted to play that pick six, she dares a double. 
I do like Olympiad. He'd be my most likely winner on the card for sure. I might do a little, it's not really a lock it up or like a single in the sense of here's this short priced horse who's definitely going to win. But I have a strong enough opinion on Dolce Zell. I might build some things around her where I'm just stone cold singled in a way to try to eke out a little bit of equity in that spot. And then I don't think it's nuts in the Oaks to try to really get narrow. And I'll have uh, some tickets that play Nest and Kathleen O really narrowed down in, in, in the Oaks. Not that there aren't other very interesting long shots who uh, we have an opportunity to, to, to bet on in there, but you know, you can always do it where you take the money you want to bet in a, in a certain iteration and you do, 80% through a ticket where the race is locked up with two horses. And then you come back with 20% of your money and you spread it around a little bit with some of those more interesting long shots, like hidden connection, who I know you like and nostalgic JK, who's a runner who in the Oaks I'm, I'm warming to, but mainly my opinion, I feel like let's, we talked about in the final answer show, we can be against two of the ones at the top of the market. You know, they, they may kick sand in our face echo zulu and secret oath but you know i feel pretty good going to war with those two fillies kathleen o and nest in that spot any other thoughts on ways to get narrow on friday or shall we have aj pop up the next question um yeah i, I think it's i think it's friday's a little bit tougher and to be fair you know i i think i'm gonna i'm gonna try to kind of spend a lot of my tomorrow attention on that two-day pick six yeah, that's interesting. Um, because it's not going to include it's not going to include the races I don't have opinions in. Um, right. So I, I think that's where I'll probably spend a lot of my attention. That's such a good question. Let's go ahead and just double it up. Looking at Saturday, I mean Saturday for me, the the races to to really narrow down in. I mean I I love Jack Christopher in that spot. Um, I think that's a place to get stuck in. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan there. I do think, and I know you don't agree with this, but Jackie's Warriors, a horse. I just think the way the pace shakes out in that race, who knows? Maybe that Asmussen stat will help us, and, and he could be a little bit interesting. And then one at a much bigger price who I think has – I mean, I, I feel like I'm on an island with this opinion, JK. I'm looking at the pick grid. Nobody else has this horse in the top three. And I think Ivar is the most likely winner. And it's funny because I've never really been a team Ivar guy. I just think that race shakes out really nice for him. I, I don't hate the idea. You know, again, I'm not talking stone cold single, but, you know, maybe a little bit of a disproportionate amount of my play to press to try to get the enjoy the spoils if I'm right about Ivar. Any spots on Saturday you're, you're really confident about in terms of exotics? Yeah, I mean, I think Jack, um, I think in the American turf, you only need three horses, which, which you know, in a turf race like that, I think is that's pretty lucky. That's, that's a lock-up. Who are the three you want there? Uh, the five, six, and the seven. The five, uh, Bal Bal you told me this earlier. Now on the call. Billy's Bal horse. Yeah, Billy's horse. How about that? Five, Billy's horse. Uh, the six, portfolio company, the seven side. Dog. I think you lock up there. I think in the 10, you could lock up with Aloha West and Jackie's Warrior. Um, you know, I guess you could be a little bit scared of reinvestment risk or prevalence, but maybe even just using them as B horses is enough. Um, I don't think you can lock up the, the mile and eighth turf race. And then in the Derby, I only think four horses can win. Um, I think Modano can win. Epicenter can win. Um, uh, Zandon can win and Taiba can win. So, you know, I, that feels pretty darn locky too. When you're talking about a 20 horse field. I feel bad saying Billy Source when Gary watches a lot more of our content than Billy. Does. So Billy has a Gary show Source. on the network, Gary. So it's Billy Source. No, it's and then also keep in mind, it's a, 
with that Jack Christopher thing, he starts the 20 cent pick six. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it's a mandatory payout on Derby Day. Yes. I think that I think they are doing it that way now. Beautiful. Um, beautiful. It used to always be interesting because it could, it could carry a disproportionate amount of the time. And there were a lot of like when Wednesdays at Churchill back in the day, I remember shooting at the carryover. Sean Borman and I took down a notable one. Geez, my, I, I don't know. Was that 10 years ago now? Who knows? Sean will be part of our pro player show. That'll be my final podcast I'll be putting up. We'll be recording that late tonight, dropping late tonight. Should be a lot of fun. Let's move on and, to the next question. What's that? Him and Paul. Him and Paul. Yeah, Paul will be on there too. If you're if you're bored, come join us. Uh, you'll have other stuff to do. I'm pretty sure. Jovanina, what doesn't want me extending that invite to you? Will a sloppy track on Friday change your approach in this year's Kentucky Oaks? It's such a good question, and for me, um, I I just yeah. I mean, it sh the answer probably should be yes, but looking through this field. I'm just not sure I, I see enough um, reasons one way or the other to have it um, to, to, to have it bothering me. I'm hoping the Phillies I like, you know, to, a lot of times a sloppy track means I'm going to want horses who aren't going to be facing kickback. But I just feel like the way the pace shakes out in here, uh, I'm hoping these closers can somehow manage to stay clean. I mean, maybe I upgrade Kathleen O a little bit over Ness just with the idea that she might be able to stay cleaner. But I mean, this is such a good question and one that I'll spend more time off air thinking about. But, J.K., how about you? What does the sloppy track do for your assessment of this year's Kentucky? No, it doesn't, doesn't do anything to me. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a person in dirt races who looks for horses that are forwardly placed. The only opinion that I really even subscribe to when it comes to sloppy racetracks is being forwardly placed helps. So it's the same thing to me. I end up in the same horses. Um, it's, you know, it's not a Wednesday at Aqueduct but you have an off-the-turf race and now you're trying to figure out this turf horse wants to run on us. I'm not worried about that. Like, you know, these are all top-notch horses. They're all extremely well-bred. I, I think at this level, I'm not really into that whole, oh, you know, their mother was a mudder. They really handled the mud. I, because it's very similar to the stat thing. As soon as you come up with this declaration that because, and I'm not saying you, because Kathleen O broke her maiden, if I'm not mistaken, in the slot, that she somehow has a better chance of winning because of that. As soon as you do that, she's going to get beat. And then the times that you're right about that, they equal out to the times you're going to be wrong about it. It's just one of those things. I just kind of act like it doesn't exist because I'm always a forwardly placed type anyways. I mean, I, I like secret oath less if it's, if it's sloppy. That's like really the only declaration I can give. Cause what kind of trip is she going to get from the inside getting on a sloppy racetrack, taking back and eating all that dirt outside of that. But that's not, that's already a normal opinion. I'm just, you know, adding to it a little bit. Now, as a New Yorker, I have to correct you there. Not his mother was a mutter, J.K. His mother was a mutter. You got to get it. You got to get it. You're right. You're right. And I, I'm, I, I'm almost a New Yorker. <laughs> That's a very different New York up your way, let me tell you. But I do like it. You know I like it. Let's move on to the next question, A.J. What do we got? Jack Christopher, stone cold single or toss? You give me those two options. I'm going with the stone cold single. How about you, J.K.? Yeah, for timing purposes, what's the reason to go in circle? Stone cold. <laughs> well, yeah, we rapid fired that one. I don't know that we'll speed round from here to the end, AJ, but we can turn the card and, and do another one. Thank you, Manning, for that question. Walk us through how IRAD might position Modonigal from the rail. Does the new starting gate make the rail not so bad? I'm tempted to say yes to the latter. I mean, I'll throw out 
what used to happen in the old starting gate. And I wish I, I should have thought to load into StreamYard the pictures. But you look at the pictures of what this used to look like with the one gate being, I don't know, path and a half inside the rail. These horses had to make a right turn before they could straighten out with 19 horses coming over them. It was a structural disadvantage. And then you look at the tape from last year, and it's normal. There is two paths between to the good between the rail and the one gate. Irad Ortiz rode from the one gate last year. That's a helpful thing as well. In terms of the specifics of how he's going to navigate it, uh, the, the, this is above my pay grade. And this, this is where I trust Irad, who I still believe uh, when he's on form is one of the best riders out there there is. I mean, I think they'll probably use less early foot than they would have had he been drawn outside. This was a horse I might have guessed would have been closer than he had in the past, trying to get that typical Pletcher, grindy, you know, maybe he, if he from the 18, maybe he's eighth, eight lengths from the lead. Now maybe he's further back and he's going to, as the Brits say, likely have to be ridden for a little bit of luck. But here's the real thing I don't mind about the one gate for Mo Donegal. I think the crowd, the narrative of the one gate, all the horses who have steam on them, I haven't heard any steam on Mo Donegal. And I think between that and the fact that he's drawn the one, we're going to get 15 to one on this horse. So in that case, if you're giving me 15 to one on a horse that might've been eight with a good draw, like I, I almost can argue you, and I may regret saying these words out loud, JK, but I can almost argue that the, the, the rail could end up being a good thing because we're going to get so much of a better price. Sort of a reverse, but the same of uh, hitting a bomb from the 14 post at the Breeders' Cup uh, back in Keeneland down the road from where I sit right now at Mill Ridge Farm. When they, you know, the horse is supposed to be five to two and they're going to give us five to one? Like, yeah, uh, give me the tough post in that instance. What do you think, JK? How might Irad position Modonigal from the rail? I mean, it's not a good draw. I don't, I mean, I don't, you know, we can, you can spin, we can spin it, you can spin it, we can spin it. That, but I wouldn't have picked it for the horse. Yeah, for for him for it to work out, like you said, he's not to be ridden for luck. He's going to have to get lucky. And like I said yesterday when we did that show, if Mo Donegal wins, Irad will cement himself as, without a doubt, the best rider in the game today because he'll have done something brilliant in order to make it work. It's just tough. Yes, the new gate definitely helps. It's not as you're running straight into the into the turn, but still, he's going to have. He doesn't have early speed. So he's going to get shuffled back in behind horses. Then he has to get lucky not to get stopped or to get shuffled or get cut off or to get leaned on in the first turn. Then on the backside, he's got to get out. Or if he decides to stay in there, then in the stretch, he's got to get out. And then when he does get out, if he does get out at the half mile pole going into the far turn, he's then going to be wide. He needs to make sure there's pace in front of him now because he did have to take. There's just a lot of things that got to go right for him. And I think he's a good animal. He'll be an A horse for me because he will be value. And, uh, and I respect Sean Borman way too much in uh, and, and his work that he's put in throughout his career to, to make figures and having Mo Donegal where he has him from a figure standpoint, I cannot let that horse beat me, but he's going to need a brilliant ride in my opinion. Let's now, move on to, to win, the next question. To win. He, to, to win. He, he'll, I, I think, I think he's, I, I, I thought Epicenter was the most likely horse to hit the board of all of them based on his running style, but I hate his draw. I think Mo Donegal now becomes the most likely horse to run third or fourth. If I had to pick one horse to run third or fourth for like my life or whatever, I think I would pick him. 
even over Zandon? Well, I think Zandon's going to win. I mean, I see what you're saying. Yes, maybe to that point. Yes, Zandon is the most likely horse to run first, second, third, or fourth. But if I was just keying a horse in, in, like, if I had to just do that kind of reverse deal where you're keying a horse in third and fourth, I would key O'Donnell. Interesting. All right, AJ, we got three more left. Let's go to the next one. I like Charge It and Taba, but both are lightly raced with just five starts combined. Are these horses you're going to include in the win and exotics, asks Nick. And for me, I have a strong opinion here. And the answer is absolutely. I mean, with Taba, we talked about the lens of speed figures. Look, I understand all the cases against this horse. I still think the owner picked spot thing could catch up with Taba here. You know, I get it. More horses in one race than he faced in two previous combined. But you're dealing with a horse that has these two giant speed figures. Matt Bernier did the digging, you know, outside of materiality. I feel like all these lightly raced horses with the big figures have actually run really well in the Kentucky Derby. JK made the great point about, you know, putting stats aside and trying to look at the race as it looks. You want to design this race. I think Taba's going to get an excellent trip with his combination of tactical speed and finish that we've seen. He, I don't love him, but he's on tickets and he use. And charge it to me. I think his Florida Derby is super underrated because this is a horse that didn't break, was green as goose. I guess I can't say that on air. He was green. And he still ends up running second in a grade one in his third career start. He's in the hands of a master conditioner. He's under the radar. And he's got the best pedigree in the entire race. How am I going to let Charger beat me? And the difference is, I think there's a world in which Tabe is almost like, I'm not going to say the favorite, but like, Sneaky, crazy bet from just people betting numbers. Like this is a horse that could be sub six to one, um, which which I don't love and makes me mo- a little more willing to fade him. But I, you know, again, I want to use and cover. But charge is going to be all of twenty to one. I think. I mean, I just think that's the way people aren't really grokking to me, and I could be wrong. How the math is going to work in this race? I, I don't think you're going to have maybe the Mac money makes somebody seven to two or three to one. But I mean, this feels like a four to one the field kind of race. And some horses have to get lost, and Charge It could be one of those. I mean, my keys, as we've talked about on other shows, are Mo Donegal and Zandon, but there'll be loads of Taba and Charge It on my tickets. What do you think of those two, JK? Um, I got a lot of thoughts. I think you can probably start saying as green as the In the Money Players podcast logo. I like that. That's good. We'll do that. It's, it's, and it's legal. It's not like it's, you're going to get in trouble for that. Um, I am going to have. Tabe is an A-horse. Uh, you know, it's like I said earlier, uh, speed figures are the one thing that have let me down the least in this game. And the horse is fast. And I love the oh, – okay over here. I love the draw. I love the fact he's outside of Epicenter. Um, he's outside of and, – and, you know, he's going to end up getting a great trip, like you said. He's going to be in the two or the three path all the way around there. Um, and as a young horse who's fast, that's that's pretty – that's a pretty good trip. Um and he's in a, he can get a similar trip to like what American Pharaoh got, uh, you know, just right around there. Uh, doesn't matter if he's three wide. Um, and then so he'll be an A horse for me for sure. And then charge it will be a B horse for me. I'll, I'll be alive to charge it um, as everything else kind of goes the right way in the two day pick six and then the pick six on the day. I'll, charge it will definitely be a B horse. All right, let's move it on. We got two questions left. AJ, what do we got next? This is a fun one. Which Brad Cox horse will finish best in the Derby? And it's such a tough question because I think Zozos is the one I like the best, but he's also maybe the one who's most likely to get cooked 
from the outside draw with the other speed and finish like way back. He's more of a run really well or run really badly horse. So for this question, you know, we're both known critics of Cyberknife at this point. JK for personal reasons, me because I just think he's too slow. <laughs> so I guess the answer by default becomes Tawny Port because he's acted well on dirt and he could be finishing. It's it's a very it's a great question and would be such an awesome prop bet and maybe someday we'll get to have prop bets in the kentucky derby at equal prices who would you bet to be the best finishing of the cox trio jonathan you know definitely zozos um you know a little bit of personal reasons influence i just can't root for cyber knife it's trading really well but he is he is goofy and i do think the oakland races are slow right so it's like if the oakland races are slow he's goofy I don't care how good he's been working, right? Like how, you know, whatever. So I, I think Zozo's for sure. I love the draw for Zozo's with having that tactical speed. You know, I, I know I said that, that Tybo's going to get the American Pharaoh trip, but, you know, I guess Zozo's can get the same trip. Just kind of three wide all the way around there. Got enough space to kind of clear and get over. Um, and I think could, could you know, we'll, we'll run well enough. Tawny Port, you know, the, one of the reasons that I think that horses run so well in the Preakness that have run well in the Derby is because they're in form and they're back in two weeks. Tawny Port is in form. The horse ran well, came back quick, and it's coming back quick again. The horse is in form. Fit is not going to be an issue. Trained by a future Hall of Famer. That horse can get around there and, and pick up a piece. Um, so that's definitely my order. So we're definitely we're, – we're, we're not really answering the question, but, but we're, we're both giving you the horse. Oh, no, the no. For me, Zozos. Zozos yeah. 100%. No, no, I was just making a joke of – I was oh. making a joke about how we were both saying that we thought Cyberknife would be the worst bet of the three at the at the projected odds because he'd be the he'd be the favorite he'd be the expected one that we'd answer in here. Do you take my point about Zozos though? Maybe um, getting cooked if this pace ends up being really fast. That that would be my. He's the one I would have the shortest price to win the race. But I just thought the way the question was worded, I thought there was a world in which you know he's like gets really aggressive. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, look, he ran a mile and three sixteenths against a horse that, you know, despite the draw, is the first is a, is definitely the first or second or third best horse in this race that we so far. You know, I thought that performance was pretty darn good. So I, I don't think he's got to get cooked. I, I have this horse as a solid use underneath. Depending on the rest of my tickets, he's the type of horse that I'll use as like a seahorse. Um, I used to do that eight horse superfecta box. That I, I mean, it's still kind of funny, but I probably won't do it anymore. He's a horse I would definitely use in that super effective lot. That's right. I remember that. We talked about that. We talked about that for years. The the eight horse superfecta. That would have been a good one for that article I'm writing. All right, let's go back to our final question. We're a little over time here, but uh, we're having too much fun with so many options on the wagering menu this weekend. Where are you focusing most of your attention? Thank you, Andrew, for this one. I'll go quick. I think J.K. will have more to say. I think that the the inefficiencies that you see in the win place and show pools for the Kentucky Derby are still completely underrated. You don't have to go back very far to see the insane happening. And, and, and I didn't take advantage of it. And Jonathan, this is my shame as a horse player. In 2020, in the September Derby, when Tis the Law ended up paying the same price to place and basically the same price to show as he would have to win. That tells you the kinds of inefficiencies there are in these win place and show pools. It generally, one truism is, and for this article I'm writing, uh, Maury Wolf 
chimed in with this. The, the long shots are never as long as they should be. So you end up with tremendous value in the middle of the market and even at the top of the market. I do worry, while I don't think the mattress Mac money is going to tilt the pool at all, four or five million into a 45 million pool isn't going to like, you know, completely wreck it or anything. I do think there is a certain logic that the actual betting favorite might be over bet. But I mean, the idea of taking the horse that you like, who isn't a long shot, long shot, and isn't a fa- the, the, the absolute favorite and betting that horse uh, to win place and show. I mean, it's so basic, but sometimes you got to do the old K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. I'm super interested in the straight pools in this year's Kentucky Derby. What pool are you the most interested in, my friend? Yeah, you know, look, this is a hard thing I had to learn. We all fell in love with this game because we like the action. And it is Derby, and I know there's 97 pick fives, and, you know, you want to do do this, you want to do that. Man, I'm telling you, Whatever your bankroll is, if you have a $200 bank, let's say you have a $500 bankroll, right? It's Derby. You have a $500 bankroll. I mean, spend 100 on action. You know, single some stuff in those action pick fives and make yourself be right in those situations and don't be so spready. And then take your other 400 and really find that pool that, that it like, really hones in on your opinion. Like I said, the two-day pick six is one of those that's going to really help me hone in on my opinion. I have some ideas in the Oaks. I have some ideas in the Derby. Um, I'm going to spread in the in the in the Grade One Turf race. I, I can lean on Aloha West and Jackie's Warrior. I can lean on uh, She Dares the Devil. And so my money, a major- like I would say, eighty percent, seventy five percent of what I bet is going to go through there. The other twenty five percent is going to go through the, the mandatory payout twenty cent pick six on Saturday, ending in the Derby because that is going to be a wager that has a lot of dumb money in it. And it's also going to have a lot of money in it and it's going to pay well. And so that's where I'm going to focus. I'm telling you right now, I will not play the pick five on Oaks Day. I don't have a strong enough opinion. I'm not going to waste that money. I want to use that money where I have opinions. I won't play the early pick five on Saturday. I won't play the early pick five tomorrow. I just don't. There's racing every day. I don't have to go crazy in races. I don't have opinions just because it's Derby Day. I want to keep all that money for the derby pick six the two-day pick six where i have an opinion you know and i would encourage people to do the same thing like don't don't uh don't make yourself deposit twice tomorrow you know (laughs) don't do that that might be the best advice of all i do sense something though and correct me if i'm wrong i do think that part of what you're describing i mean i think you're being smart and you're trying to focus where you have the strongest opinion but I also sense from you, JK, that when it comes to these days, you know, insofar as it honors your opinion, that you want to participate in the potential biggest scores this game has to offer. And there, I think, is some idea when I hear you talk that hitting the pick six or the two-day pick six on Derby weekend is worth something a little bit more to you than money. Is that fair? Uh, I mean, no, they're all like that for me. You know, I mean, I, I take a lot of pride when I can hit a wager. It doesn't matter if it's freaking – you know, Wednesday or wherever. Um, no, I just think that I have recognized where I excel. I have recognized where, where I think I have an edge and I have an edge in multi-race bets because of the way that I bet them. So I want to find the hardest bets to hit multi-race bet wise and focus my attention there because while everyone else is playing checkers, I feel like I'm playing chess. I don't feel that way when I'm playing the early pick five. I feel like I'm just playing checkers like everybody else. 
So when it comes to that $2, two-day pick six, I'm playing – I feel like I'm playing chess while everyone else is – not everyone else, but everyone else in the – you know, not not our people. The vast majority. The vast majority, the vast majority of the pool playing, is yeah, playing caveman tickets. Caveman tickets. They, they, they don't have the bankroll to play it efficiently. You're putting yeah. in – I mean, how many – just give me a guess. I mean – Hundred t- different tickets you'll put in at different yeah. increments from that. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, sometimes more, sometimes more. Um, but, but the but and then the other thing is is, is when it, I, I also like if I play the early pick five tomorrow, I'm going to be wondering if this horse is ready off a layoff. You don't have to really worry about that when it comes to the big grade one races and the big races because you know. You can, you can watch Jack Christopher's work. You can see she dares the devil's last work. You know that she was a little bit short last time. She's going to be tighter this time. There's no questions. You can So you can really hone in and single and lean on horses and really pick up that equity while other people are spreading. And so that, that's that's how I like to approach it. And, 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 it's, and it's because, and also I've learned the hard way. And I said, don't make that second deposit. It's a lesson I learned in 2014 that we've talked about before I've learned the consequence and how bad it feels when you don't keep your powder dry and you blow your money early in the early pick five because of this, or you blow it on that because you, you, you wanted to, you, what you had to bet the early pick five because it's breeders cup day. Then you're out of money when Bobby's kitten runs and you got nothing to show for it. It's happened to me way too many times in my life that like, I just find what you like and just put all your money there. You know, that's what and when That's you say, I, oh, I, I like what you said before, take take a percentage and have action. Like, we all want action. That's cool. But, but the best you know. way to do action, the best way to do action betting, if you're going to play the early pick five tomorrow, find somewhere to single. Make yourself be right in order to hit that action bet. Don't action bet spread, 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 and hope you catch something. Because even if you do catch something, you're not going to get paid. Keep that dollar amount down, and you'll still feel like you're playing. You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to fire away. You know another good way to keep powder dry, and it, that, it normally doesn't work for Churchill Downs because they don't play so nice with the the, the contest sites out there. But there is a contest on ExpressBet, uh, hosted by our friends at Santa Anita. I think I read the ad at the beginning of the show that is all Derby races. Now that might be a, a number above action level for, for many people, but it's a concept to keep in mind for a lot of other days. If you can spend whatever X on a contest and that keeps you in action all day, then take the rest of your bankroll and hammer where you like. There's clever ways of doing this. And, you know, we, we're yeah, happy to, yeah. to guide you on that way as far as we can. And I'll also say this, and this is something I've also learned from, from our friend Marshall Graham, who's a Breeders' Cup betting challenge champion. And who I don't think Marshall would be upset if I said who fires, who who, bet, who bets, bets real money and, and bets. And obviously he's invested in the game with his with, with ten strike racing as well. Marshall will literally bet two dollars to win on horses. Dead serious. I'm dead. I don't know. If, I don't know if you knew that. Pete. He'll bet two dollars to win on a horse just because he he knows himself. He'll tell you he's a degenerate, and he knows that I need this action. But he's so in tune with himself. He bets two dollars to win on a horse, and then the next race he's betting a dime. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's. It, and I'll tell you what, that's a better ratio. You know, when we talked before, you, you in your your ad hoc analogy, you had five hundred. We were spending eighty percent of the bankroll on the real opinion, twenty percent on the action. That's actually nowhere near correct, like mathematically in terms of how much more you're supposed to be betting on your real opinion. The Marshall example that you just gave, that you pulled out of thin air of 
a thousand on the good, two on the on the action. That's actually probably a lot closer to the winning players mentality. And it does speak to it speaks to something about horse racing or about you know horse players' sickness. You pick which one you want to say that you can bet two dollars and still get something out of the thrill of being on a winner. I'm ready to leave it there unless you've got a closing thought, brother. All right, good stuff. Super fun, JK. Look forward to seeing you in a little bit. Remind folks again, In The Money Plus, check that out, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus, the free email newsletter. You get that extra podcast that's free this week, but you need to be signed up, inthemoneypodcast.com slash email for that one. Thank you to our friends at Millridge, our friends at Santa Anita. Great uh, getting a chance to, to do some work with both of them again. We'll thank producer AJ. We've been working him very hard this week. Producer Craig as well will shout him out. 10 Strike Racing, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. You're going to see soon. I got to hang out. I don't know if you saw this, JK. I was hanging out with uh, Maggie Wolfendale and Doug O'Neill the other night as he was signing the 10th anniversary. All have another bottles. They'll be on sale soon. I think you can even find a link right now, trfinc.org slash players to get your copy of that. Mario Gutierrez supposedly going to be signing those soon as well. Really cool. An awesome label with the new Derby poster on it. Look behind your bar. Look good in your cocktail. You decide. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is that guy there, Jonathan Kitchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornitech. May you win all your photos. Oh.